0: Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigma, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that Most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it, because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence, we heal by speaking out. Today I have my friend Monica D. Christina and we're talking about anxiety and becoming. And I'm so excited to have just one of the dearest people I've ever known here with me today. And uh, Monica, hi. Hi, I'm so excited and
1: grateful to be here and to get to um, just connect with you and talk in this time.
0: You're a gift. I just love you. (laughs) I feel this exact same way about you. If you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, Well, my name is Monica. That's repetitive, but I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I have a private practice there where I see adult clients, couples and individuals. Um, I have three kids, and I'm married, and um, I have a new puppy. She's not that new anymore. Um, and I would say that you know, a big part of who I am is that I went into the field of therapy because of my own journey, and I love writing
0: about that. And I have a podcast called Still Becoming. Thank you so much. So one of one of the issues that you specialize in because of personal experience and then just your work is anxiety
1: Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. and as I think about anxiety I think of it as something that is like it's telling a story within our bodies Mm -hmm. It's telling our brain a story Mm -hmm. can you share with listeners a little bit about your own experience and for you if that even resonates Mm -hmm. what story did anxiety tell you Hmm. Um,
1: You know, it's such a great question. And I think that the story that anxiety has told me for many years is that I'm not okay. And sometimes that, that I'm not safe, even when I am safe. And so anxiety, I think can be a protector. It can be trying to keep us safe. But I think for me personally, my anxiety in a lot of ways, stemmed from the false stories that I was hearing in my head about myself. So, you know, as I grew up, some things happened to me that sort of exploded in my brain as I got older. And I started to make conclusions that I wasn't good enough. Something was wrong with me. And from there developed a real full-blown anxiety disorder that I lived with um, for years without any diagnosis and any help. And when you live that way for a long time, you start to make conclusions about thinking that something is wrong with you. And that's a big reason why I'm so passionate about talking about anxiety it's not just because of my own personal story, but it's dismantling the shame that comes from whether it's anxiety or depression or trauma, or you name it, A to Z, dismantling the false shame that comes with struggle. It's And I have a big heart for separating our identity from our experiences and our identity from
0: whatever it is we struggle with. Yes, to everything you just said, I remember being a kid, not not a kid, more like a teenager and having these chest pains.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: And you're exactly right. The two things that my anxiety told me at an early age was you are not okay and something is wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or something is wrong with me. Yep.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: There was something that you just said about identity versus our struggle. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I think that, you know, and
1: and I've lived this too, and I see this all the time that when we don't have an accurate understanding of what it is we're struggling with, it's really hard for us not to fold into that as who we are. You know, and so whatever that, you know, people listening are going to have all different stories and all different struggles, but whatever that struggle is without self-compassion, without someone to help you understand it and unpack it. You know, Tasha, you and I have talked about this before. That kids are egocentric by nature, and that means that they experience the world as everything being about them. And that can be okay unless they experience painful things and are never have that explained to them. And so then what happens is that they think everything is their fault. And, and a lot of times we don't outgrow that understanding either. So hard things, any struggle that happens, we start to ingest as our fault. And, and usually it, that's very, very far from the truth, right? The struggle is hard but we're not the shameful identity that we're believing. So separating the two can be one of the biggest, most important steps in healing before you even get to addressing and relieving some of the struggle. It's just untying that knot, untying that lie that you are not good enough, something's wrong
0: with you, whatever the narrative, because you have struggled. Yeah, you do have to to untie the knot. (laughs) Naming it is important, untying that knot understanding who you are at your core yeah. apart from these are the things that I've experienced in my life. Yes. Mm -hmm. Those things don't define you. Mm -hmm. So that's really, really important. And sometimes, you know, people will ask me, I don't know, this is all I've I've ever known. I don't know how to change. I don't know how to think any different. Uh, What are your thoughts on how we create a new narrative for ourselves? Mm. You know,
1: I I think, you know, I want to validate that it is really hard, right? It's Mm. so hard for all of us to create a new narrative. I think for me, what comes to mind is that creating a new narrative starts with identifying the false narrative first. Mm -hmm. that, you know, we, we can't know necessarily what we want to create when there's no room in our minds or hearts for something different. So identifying the false narrative that you're believing about yourself, I think would be the first step. And then when we start to identify that, what we really create is space. We create space where we can start to listen to who we actually are what we actually feel or like or want or need that the false narrative maybe didn't even allow for us to have space for.
0: We create, we identify the false narrative, create space. And I don't know how how you feel about this, but to me, once we create space, what can we open up? You know, now our hearts are open, right? Yeah. What are we, what are we opening? What are we manifesting to come in and fill that space?
1: hmm hmm hmm
0: And that's where the new identity comes from, the compassion, the patience, the grace. Yes. Where are we welcoming in into that space?
1: hmm
0: One of the other things that sometimes I'll tell clients is, you know, that that protector, anxiety is a protector. It may not go anywhere for quite a while. It's true, mm-hmm. But you can, you can bring anxiety along with you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. While you live, while you are creating a new narrative. That's right. While you're creating new habits, while you're living your life, you can bring anxiety along to witness joy, to witness contentment and all the other good things that, that, that you're wanting for yourself.
1: Mm. Yes. I'm so glad you said that. I think that that is so important and so, so powerful. I think that we have this false idea that we have to be anxiety-free or free of any symptoms, right, to be able to be living a new narrative or to be able to be healed, and, and it's just not true. You know, I would say I'll speak personally. My healing from anxiety has always included still getting anxious, right? I mean, it's just, it's just part of it, but what's different now, is i know the truth of my of my identity my worth i no longer am living in shame it's almost like the way you described it i think about almost making friends with your anxiety right that listen we're going to we're going to go on this adventure i'm going to i'm going to jump into this ocean and i know you're scared but but i know better now than to listen to you as the driver in the driver's seat i know my own true voice so you can come along with me and let's give it a shot right the narrative It brings the old things along sometimes that are just part of being a healed, real human person is you're still going to have
0: all kinds of stuff bubbling up. That's just normal. I love this conversation because you and I are both therapists Mm -hmm. who struggle with anxiety. And I don't know if struggle is a word with, I live with anxiety, Mm -hmm. but um, there's sometimes when I'll tell clients, yeah, I've got anxiety, but it's not going to stop me. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. I have, I have a purpose to fulfill. Mm -hmm. So, so all of the angst that's in there, I know it's origin story. Yep. I get exactly where it came from. I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer believing, well, oh, because I feel this way, I can't produce, I can't create, I can't form relationships. Exactly. I, I can't go after this job. I can't finish this book. No, I can still do that. I'm still scared. I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just doing it yeah. scared. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the uh-huh. thoughts come, but it, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm familiar with that. I know, I know what that's about.
1: Exactly. And I feel like that's so much of, of the journey with anxiety in particular is, is desensitizing yourself to its presence, right? That's it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just, you know, I often say to my clients and, and, and I, and I don't say this part to my clients, but I got this from my therapist all those years ago when I first saw someone is, is when you have an anxious thought, I'll look at my watch and I'll say, Oh, right on time. There you are you always pop up when I am doing something that makes me feel good about myself. You bring in a question that maybe I'm not good enough. And I just kind of look at my watch. I'm like, there you are. And I wave hello. And then I move on.
0: Right. (laughs) Yes, Yes. Yes. So for, for anybody that is, is listening, Monica and I met, what has it been maybe a month or so ago, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the the ways that anxiety presented at that moment for me is I thought to myself, am I even good enough to meet um to meet Monica and to meet Shay, Shay Sears Bearfield of of the Shay Show. Mm -hmm. But I didn't stay at home. (laughs) I
1: yep, I thought the exact same thing. The, The exact same thoughts. You know, and, and that's another, I think, important thing that you're naming right here is, is when, when, um, how the power of connection to yeah. dismantle the lies of anxiety, right? Cause you yeah. and I are very comfortable talking about these things and then we get to see how silly they are yes. together. Right. And, and so that's the power of having safe connections where you can name those things out loud. Whereas mm-hmm. when you don't want have that, you kind of are stuck in the cave that anxiety keeps you in. Right. So that's why it's important to find whether it's a therapist or a friend. It's safe to say that too.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. So your podcast is called Still Becoming. And I wanted to ask you about grief and in the process of becoming, in the process of even our discussion of creating a new narrative, Mm -hmm. uh, what are some aspects of our lives that you feel like must be grieved along that journey of becoming? Oh, Wow. Wow,
1: Tasha. Um, I think so many things. I just, I really appreciate that lens of grief that you're saying, because I think that's something that is just not named enough. Um, I think, I think we, you know, we often have to grieve who people were not in our lives Right. Whether that's a parent, a caregiver, a friend, a romantic partner, a supposed friend, you know, whatever it is, a, a society. Right. Grieving what we wish it was, but it wasn't. And I think that grief is, again, back to the narrative, is so important because when we allow ourselves to grieve, we allow the responsibility for what that wasn't to be where it should land rather than on us, right? The grief allows us to say, this pains me and this wasn't
0: as it should be. That's it. Again, naming it, this pains me, it wasn't what it should be. And and when I think about grief, which I, I think in some ways grief enters my mind every day, uh, someone once told me, I think it was actually my therapist again, shout out to her because uh-huh. she said, Tasha, you're going to have to grieve, grieve the apologies you may never receive. Mm. Yes. Yes. And when you're becoming, when you're on that journey, yes, you've got to be willing mm-hmm. to grieve again, the relationships that, that didn't work out. Yeah. Yep the 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 pain incurred incurred I can't even say the word by mm-hmm. others <laughs> yeah uh-huh. uh huh yeah and and all of the things that just didn't pan out the way that we hoped they would
1: yeah. Yeah. I I just love that. Um, which maybe love sounds like a funny thing to say about grief, but I know as a therapist, you know what I'm saying? Because grief frees us, you know, because it it, it just, it names what we're experiencing. And I think that that's so important just to, to be able to grieve what it wasn't to let you become what, you know, who you want to be. It is so freeing Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. because then in the process of grief, Again, you let some stuff go. Yes. Yes. It literally is a sifting away. It is a sifting. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is. Whenever I ask this next question, I think about Oprah. (laughs) You know, we both love Oprah. Yes. We do love Oprah. And so um, I'm becoming who we are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Monica, what do you know for sure?
1: I I would say what I know for sure is that it's never, it's never too late and it's never over and that it's always happening. And it's, and it's like a current that you can step into that's always happening. You know, that we we count ourselves out um, way too early and way too often for gosh, for really understandable reasons. But I would say that it's, it's something that we can, Always
0: retry, always re-enter that current. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the, the notion that, okay, it's it's never too late and it's never over. That thing is so important. Yeah. Because how many times have we both heard people say, well, oh, I'm too old now. Oh yeah, all the time. Or, <laughs> or I should have done it at this time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As long as you have breath in your body, mm-hmm. right? hmm each each new day presents that's new grace, new opportunities. That's right. Right. For you to say, okay, I, I didn't do this thing yesterday, but w- what can I do today?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think that it's it's a social construct, this idea of it's too late, you know, that you're that it it it's it's like a race to literally nowhere. Everyone's trying to do everything so fast and so young and all the things, and it's just it gets in our heads, and it's just you know, it's, it's not too late and healing never stops. I hope to never stop as long as I'm on this earth to never stop becoming and healing and unbecoming false things. You know, I just think it's uh, something that
0: we can always re-enter. You're so right. And oftentimes I'll even tell my clients and, and I also say it to myself. Yeah. this, This healing thing, it's, it's lifelong. Exactly. Yes. I'll be healing until my last breath. That's right. Yeah. Well, I just am no more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and as it relates to to, to dreams and aspirations, I'll keep plugging along as much as I can, as long as my body and my mind is is coherent. And you know, <laughs> you, <laughs> you just keep going. Mm-hmm. But, but you have to do that, or else mm-hmm. you become stagnant.
1: And yeah, I I really couldn't agree more. And I feel like there's. Um, that, that lie that we've missed it, you know, and I've felt that or that we've missed the thing or whatever it is, keeps so many of us paralyzed. And it's just, it's just another harmful shaming lie,
0: you know? Yeah, it is. It is part of the healing journey. It it must include also having some tenderness, having some compassion for yourself. Mm -hmm. And Monica, what are some ways that we can Can bring in compassion, can welcome in tenderness and compassion into our everyday. I think that
1: I think I'm on a theme here today, but but part of it would be noticing that we don't do that first. You know, I mean, and myself included. You know, how often we don't do that. But then I think the other part is, is how we speak to ourselves. And I don't remember who it was that I heard say this, so I would give them credit if I could, but with someone talking about how they talked to themselves and they said like, what's wrong, sweetheart, you know, and, and, and maybe that wouldn't, that wouldn't necessarily be my language or maybe someone else is like, maybe sweetheart wouldn't be the word used, but, but it has such a tenderness turning towards yourself in a really kind way of just listening, like you would speak to a little child, like you would speak to someone that you knew need tenderness. That's, I think, how we can start to produce more self-compassion is speaking to ourselves that way. And then I think about it like attending to ourselves, you know, like like really tuning in, like what what reading my body, what am I feeling right now? What do I need right now? what am I scared of right now? What am I, you know, feeling like I need to do to be enough right now? So just starting to kind of tune in the way we speak to ourselves and then just, just
0: attending to and listening. When you said it's how we, we speak to ourselves, having that awareness and then changing how we speak to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was profound in my own journey. When I noticed that sometimes I just get like an attitude out of nowhere or, you know, just, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and, and then I start to think, am I fired? Yes. Do I need to maybe move away from maybe some negative energy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: negative influences? Do I need more authentic relationships or conversations?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, have I, have I neglected my body or myself in certain ways? And so one way that I really get back into self and and just, you know, nurture, bring in more compassion and tenderness for me is I'm asking myself, what do I need? Just pausing for just a moment. Mm-hmm. If I can just get quiet and ask, what do I need? Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that question, I think could revolutionize someone's life, you know, because yeah. there's so many of us, maybe people listening that weren't even ever taught to listen to what they need. They were taught to shut up, listen, be pleasing, right? And not have any boundaries because to not make anybody mad. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And and then in certain environments, we're not taught to focus on our own personal needs.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Because as women, we are typically the caretakers and the helpers, the nurturers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and so all of our energy is given to others, right? Mm-hmm. And so we don't really learn how to ask, "What do I need? Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm. I need time off of work? <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. I'm not decreasing our schedules? Do I uh-huh. need time off of yeah. work? Uh-huh. Do I need a vacation? What do I need?" Um, that's an important question. I think that's an an excellent way to bring in more tenderness. And compassion. And continuing on with this heart talk, right? Thinking about the heart and healing. And this is just a weird question, even as I read it, but but I want to ask you in case you have anything to say about it. Um, what are the benefits when we begin to open our our hearts? What are the benefits of that?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I mean the potential for magic, I feel like, and that sounds really dramatic, but I mean, the potential for a really beautiful experience. But the thing is, is that most of not, maybe not most of us, I don't know. I don't want to sum it up, but many of us might be scared to do that, you know? So the benefits though, are that you can have an experience that you never would have had before if your heart hadn't been open. And then the benefits can be being seen I think we are we are wired to be seen. They're, they're, I, I don't know what you would say, Tasha, I'm curious, but I would think one of the most healing things that we can have as humans is to really be seen by another safe human. And we can't do that without opening our hearts. And it's scary as hell to open your heart. It's so vulnerable. But being seen is is the, you know, I think one of the biggest benefits, besides just
0: unexpected beautiful moments, absolutely. And I wrote that question down because so often I'm talking to people about that it's it's really difficult to heal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and to fulfill our purpose alone. That's right. Yeah, we can't. We we I I have never seen it. I I I, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I think that it's really difficult. To have joy, to have contentment, to have love, to live your purpose,
1: mm-hmm.
0: to be fulfilled. Yeah. If you don't have community, and and in order to have community, you have to have an open heart. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, for many of the people that I work with, they're they're asking, but but I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. But I, but I've been hurt, but I don't trust anybody because this person hurt me or that person did this other thing. Okay. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, right. You, you, you grieve that relationship, Mm -hmm. but then when you open your heart and you start manifesting, God, you know, bring good people into my life, bring trustworthy people, loving people, people that know how to love well into my life then that is what comes to you. And you also have to also be the person that <laughs> yeah. that you need to be to in order to invite that in. But you do miss out when when you're closed off, when you've when you've built walls. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you you do miss out on a lot. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, and again, I love that you named like the walls are, uh, you know, the walls are so understandable. Right. And for some of us, maybe the walls were, were necessary at a time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. but staying behind them prevents you from these healing experiences that we as therapists call corrective emotional experiences, right? This when you have an, an emotional experience that's safe, that's positive positive and you experience it in your brain the same brain that had the opposite experience that mm-hmm. can be a corrective emotional experience and a heal by corrective it means healing emotional experience for all of us and so as scary as it is when we when we close ourselves off we're also kind of limiting ourselves from getting oxygen and water and sunlight when we close ourselves off
0: in that way we are we are i think about 2 years ago i was just devastated over some friendships that ended yeah god and that hurts and it does and so I went through my own process of grieving but I didn't close myself off I literally just asked the universe asked God asked my my guardian angels everybody (laughs) (laughs) Uh I am open to new people being in my life Hmm. It was just a matter of being open. I didn't have to work for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Because my heart was open and it was last year that I just started meeting different people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in ways that shocked the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's how I met you and uh-huh. how we became friends, right? hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah, and I and I, I, I the idea that you just described of being open, I feel like that feels like such a um, tangible posture for all of us, right? Rather than getting into maybe our old narratives of, well, I got to be the friendliest person, and I gotta I gotta go out and figure out how to make this possible and be pleasing to this person. That just being open kind of honors the sacredness of just who you are as a person. I feel like you know you you're okay you're more than okay. You know, of listeners listening, you're okay. You're worthy of a, of somebody in a relationship. And and I love Tasha, I'm just learning something from you. Just thinking about that. Just, just staying open. There's no, I think what I'm trying to say is there's no striving in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah there's, there's no striving. It's not, well, well, how do I do this? Or how do I do that? Yeah. Well in some ways that, yeah, you do need to think about how do I do this? And how do I do that? Sure. But in terms of just having an open heart. Yes. hmm it, It's really about the energy that you carry and, and how you're thinking about yourself, how how you're framing your, your own story and your desires for the future. Yeah. It's, it's an energy. It's I'm just open. Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah. Yeah, And and I'm going to let some things go. I'm going to forgive myself. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get free of of the things that have been holding me back, of the people that have been holding me back. Mm -hmm. And because I am kind of dropping off that dead weight, Mm -hmm. that allows a whole lot of space. Yes. A lot of grace and a lot of blessings to come in. Mm -hmm. Yes. Some surprises to come in. Yes. I love that. For people that don't feel good enough. And they're saying, well, "Well, this could never happen to me, or mm-hmm. I'm not the right person, or they just don't feel like they're good enough for for anybody or for any good thing, even if they're they're also desiring that in some ways." Speak to us about how do you find your worth and your value.
1: It's such a good question, and um, and I think we've all, you know, been there at different levels, right? Of not feeling like we're good enough,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. And I think when I, the first thing I really think about when I think about that is that believing you're not good enough is oftentimes the consequence of you just being you colliding with someone else's dysfunction. Say that again. That you not believing you're good enough is oftentimes just a consequence, a painful consequence of you just being you colliding with someone else's dysfunction right? Someone else's unresolved issues, someone else's unresolved pain slams into you. And then you ingest that Mm -hmm. as, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not this, that, that, whatever it is. However, that slammed into you, but that was someone else's pain because you started on this earth totally good enough, right? And yeah. and then something slammed into you that you didn't create. Yeah. That isn't fair, but that that's where those
0: lies, I think, oftentimes get started. As you were saying that, mm-hmm. I mean, it, that literally just hit me because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the years in which I didn't feel good enough. Mm-hmm. And- And then me just being me colliding with that other person's dysfunction. Yes. But when I created space between their words, their opinions, Mm -hmm. their beliefs and who I am, Mm -hmm. my core, Mm -hmm. then I got to see the truth of my value and my worth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you do have to create that space in order to see, okay, who, who am I really? Mm -hmm. And and, and this voice that's saying that I'm not good enough or that I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not talented enough. Whose words are those? Because typically that's not us. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah. We don't come out saying those kinds of things to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And and sometimes there's not a lot of space between when those things get in there and when we came out into the world. Mm-hmm. But we don't we don't start with that. Mm. You know, those things are caught, they're taught, they're learned, they're sticky, right? Mm-hmm. Those things, those things get put on us, and then it becomes so much folded into how we see ourselves that we forget. That that's not how we originally came into this world, was you know believing that we're not good enough.
0: But it, that's, it just got all mixed up. Mm-hmm. That's so important because uh, you ever ask a client, well, you know, when did this belief about yeah. yourself start, and they'll say, "Well, I've always been this way." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, sir, no, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh-huh. You were not born with that belief mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of of being not good enough. So so then let's go back. What are some things that happened? Yeah. That informed that belief system.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the things that could have happened can be micro to macro. I mean, they can be small to large. They can be interpersonal to societal, right? They can be they can just be all across the board that that but but they're all those are all things that are not accurate or true. And those are things that slam into us. And then, and then we start to make conclusions. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I I'm not good enough. Or, or mm-hmm. this is why this has happened. Oh, or that's this person is right. Right. And, and so kind of separate, like you said, creating that space between mm-hmm. where did this get in there? Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's important. That's important. Mm-hmm. I think that uh it just brings to mind, I remember when, but oftentimes I was the kid at the lunch table that didn't have anybody to eat with. And so there was a part of me that believed, well, I'm not good enough. Right. No. Oh, right. Exactly. hmm hmm No, but I am like they're missing out. Like <laughs> yeah, they were.
1: <laughs> they were definitely missing out.
0: Wouldn't want to eat with me. Come on. I'm fine.
1: <laughs> I agree. I agree. I would have been right there eating
0: with you. That's it. That's it. So, so we do have to create space. Yeah. Go ahead, Monica.
1: I was just going to say, I just, I felt like that example you gave is so helpful for me even conceptualizing it people listening conceptualizing it. Like, because it's like, it was like three steps down the line at the lunch table that the conclusions about you not being good enough got made, but it was the other things happening that had you withdrawn that, yes, you know I'm saying how that happens for all of us. I think that's so important, yeah. for, you know, and so freeing.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. So I want you, if, if you can to talk about, uh, your, your podcast and just the still becoming, you've got the, you guys, she has one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. It's, it's powerful. It's therapeutic. It is what I refer my clients to who are struggling with mindfulness, meditation, anxiety, all the things. And so you've got these, you've got the still becoming, you've got the conversations that you have with people, Mm -hmm. but then you have the guided meditations, which are amazing. I'll be doing one today. Mm -hmm. And then you have the mental health Mm check-ins. What inspired you to create those three things for your podcast?
1: I just, well, thank you. First of all, I mean, you, you liking it and referring people to it, it feels like such a high compliment and I just, it means the world to me. So thank you. You know, I think like with the, say with the guided meditations, I'll start there. I think I'm probably, I I would say if I'm totally honest, the least qualified person to make guided meditations. And the reason why is because I'm not some meditation guru. I'm, you know, I'm just I'm just a, you know, naturally anxious, highly sensitive person who believes in the science of meditation, who believes and has experienced that it really helps. But I thought, why don't I try to create meditations for people like me, you know, that just Mm -hmm. might be really interested, but might not feel capable or like it's accessible. And so I tried to create these in a way that I felt like would be like cozy and therapeutic and nurturing mm-hmm. that they have a theme, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like a theme for me is comforting. Like this is kind of what we're talking about today. And and when you're sitting there listening, you might come up with your own theme and be off on your own, you know, which I try to make space for, but that's kind of that with the mental health check-ins too, is creating something that I, that I was like, I would like to listen to this. And I wonder if anyone else feels that way. And mm-hmm. so the mental health check-ins are just, we, you and I talk about mental health stuff all day. And I would say when I was first starting out in the field and when I was first starting out as a client, I'll say even before that, I was really intimidated. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, definitely a therapist is going to tell me something is wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And I, this is scary. What, what will be, will I be diagnosed with something? Like, what is this like? And so it's just kind of taking mental health topics and making them friendlier. And hopefully in a way that we can just use in our everyday lives. So that's Uh that. And then there's the story episodes, which are just like, you know, adult story time, which are kind of like meditative too, just Uh just listening to music and to a story that the whole point being, I think my whole heart is to create an experience that's therapeutic. You know, the the whole experience
0: of it to be calming for listeners. Yeah, it is. What I love about it is, Unlike which I absolutely love the Insight Timer app. I love Insight Timer. Mm-hmm. But because I'm new to meditation and mindfulness, very new and, and I struggle with it. Same. Mm-hmm. Um when I go to Insight Timer and I select somebody that like I, I don't know, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't I don't like this meditation. <laughs> I don't like their voice. <laughs> yeah. and, and then I go to the next one. And, yeah. and and so if there's this interruption, but with you, yeah. I know your voice.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: And, and there's a, there's some safety there just yes. in your tone, in your delivery, mm-hmm. the words as you're guiding us, um, to get free of some stuff really is how I see it. Yes. Yeah. I, I can, I can focus and I can be, I can just be in the moment and be present.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so th- your, 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 um, guided meditations, it really is like a healing balm.
1: Ugh. Thank you. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I would hope that's really means the world. And again, it's like, it's so funny because I don't think, you know, I just, I think, I think if I would think someone would make guided meditations, I would think that they'd be the, just the calmest most. And you know, that's not who I am all the time. And that's, but I feel like that's just really real, you know, and I feel like it's, you know, should be accessible to all of us, even if we're not you know, meditating for forty-five minutes. You know, <laughs> That's
0: right? It. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love it. So for for people that have, well, actually, before I get to that question, yeah, yes, you're listening to some music and you want to move your body. What kind of music do you listen to, Monica? I
1: listen to all kinds of music, Tasha. I listen to. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll say this to move my body. I would say that, I mean, the, the, the family song is Despacito yes. and we love that song. That is like the whole family dance song. So I would say that that would be, that would be a, a vibe that I really feels really congruent for me to move my body. Um, and then I listen to all kinds of music. You know, I'm a real sucker for, maybe that's the wrong word, but I love like, any kind of music that'll make me cry <laughs> oh. i don't know what that says about me but any real you know just anything that that gets that pulls on my heartstrings i really really like
0: mm-hmm. uh we can thank mother oprah for introducing me to despacito did did you see her dancing to that, um, no. All that? no i'm gonna have to find that yeah <laughs> she She has a clip dancing to to that song, and that's how I found out about it. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Who or what makes you laugh?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, I I think currently in the pandemic, um, our dog, and now how... uh, our kids are old enough we have three kids to be able to create voices for the dog so Mm -hmm. we'll we have these entire conversations that are actually not the dog talking (laughs) where Mm -hmm. everyone's just narrating you know jokes for the dog and so i think that that become like a real source of it's just funny my kids are funny you know and they're and they're really starting to crack me up the older and older they get and that's I think that's one of my favorite parts of parenthood is genuinely laughing with my children and genuinely mm-hmm. laughing at things that they're saying.
0: Or what oh, inspires you?
1: I feel like so many things inspire me. Um, you inspire me for starters. You do. Yeah. and um, And I would say that other women who are just... In the world, doing the things. I think that you had something on your Instagram story. I think it was last night, but it was about just the bravery of doing the thing, and I, that gives me courage when I see other women doing things, whatever, even if it's something that's not what I'm gonna do, that's not what's for me to do. That that really inspires me because I I I am someone who would more likely just live in my head. And I'm less likely to take action. That's my natural Mm -hmm. bent, And maybe Mm -hmm. that's
0: because I'm naturally anxious or whatever.
1: Mm -hmm. But so Mm -hmm. seeing people do things gives
0: me courage and inspires me. I feel the exact same way. I really do. And for listeners, how do they connect with you on social media, your website? Um, What do they do?
1: Um, I think Monica D. Christina, that's what me at Instagram. So I'll, I've said that backwards mm-hmm. at Monica D. Christina and there's no H in D. Christina. Um, and then my website too is Monica D. com. and then still becoming podcast. And then I have an offshoot for kids called still becoming kids, which is just mm. for kids or your inner
0: child. Thank you so much for being on my podcast, Monica. It
1: was so fun. I could talk to you all day and it's truly an honor. Thank you for um, inviting me into your space. I loved being here.
0: Oh, I loved you being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to When We Speak. Follow me on Instagram at TashaHunterLCSW. If you haven't done so yet, please rate, review, and follow me on iTunes and share it on your social media. If you want a copy of my book, What Children Remember, it is available on Amazon. Until next time.